Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. Well, come on, Purpose Church. Can we give all glory to God in this place? Come on, let's give Jesus a bigger ovation of worship than that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. Once you high five somebody next to you and say, God is building something. God is building something. I love that. I love that, I love that. And I just want to tell you something really fast. Uh, Jonathan uh, obviously was here this morning loading in, loading out. Where are you guys at right now in this room? Right there in the back, right there. Kelsey and Jonathan and mom there. Love that. And actually, Jonathan's going public with his faith next Sunday in baptism. Come on, can we celebrate that together? That's something to get excited about. I can't wait for that. Man, what a story. I love that story. And there's so many of those stories all throughout Purpose Church. And I just want to take a moment, first of all, and just welcome everybody in that's watching online. And maybe you're watching online. Let me just just share something with you. You are like family. You're not like family. You are family. Don't we believe that? Purpose Church, that they, hey, they may be watching online, but man, we welcome you in today. We're honored that you're here spending some time with us. So come on, church. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody in for the first time watching, maybe online for the first time or whatever. But I just want to start out today really quickly just talking about a few things. I know we talked about it a little bit during the announcements, but right now we're stepping into a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I just want to challenge all of us. And again, on the way, uh, on your way in, what you found in your seat, there's like, there's like, we killed a lot of trees today to put some stuff in your seat. I know y'all are like, oh my gosh, it's like, a, like we need a bag to carry all this stuff out, right? I know, and, and, but we wanted to give some stuff like today is a big day. Not only were we taking communion, kicking off 21 days of prayer and fasting, but we also are starting a brand new series called Built to Last. And again, let me just spend a little time on 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, really quickly. And so maybe you guys don't know what that is or why we do that as a church. I'll just let you know. Uh, for us, this is just an important season. We do it twice a year. We usually do it at the very beginning of the year, but then also as school is getting kicked back off and life is getting crazy again and the schedules get full of all kinds of things, we want to be a people that really refocuses and recenters on Jesus, right? Just want that to be in the summer, coming out of the summer. Sometimes we can get in a slump ourselves, uh, but man, this is a time for us just to refocus in on the name of Jesus and on who he is and what he wants to speak to us. And so I just love the fact, thank you, uh, shout out to AB and our kids team, our Purpose Kids team. This is not just something, Katie and the team back in the back, that they are, this is not just something we're doing in here. Our team is doing uh, also with your kids and with my kids because we want this to be a place of prayer, right? That Jesus would say, hey, my house should be a house of prayer, right? And we just believe that with all of our heart and so we want to train even our youngsters up, our kiddos up to be a praying type of kiddos and, and they if, if we we teach them young, man, they, if they will just handle that and hang on to that as they grow older, I believe that God can do some incredible stuff uh, through that. And so we have a, uh, in your one of the things in your seat was one of these uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's kind of a guide, uh, more so of what we're going to be praying around for the day as a church. And so like Miss Michelle had said earlier, praying for legacy today, that something that we build will far outlive us, you and I, for the long haul in Jesus' name. And so we're talking about that. There, That's what we're praying 
praying today. But then also I want you to know that there's all kinds of things that are running down through here. And again, they correlate with your kiddos on the other side. So I would just love it if you would just take some time, take that home with you, begin to just pray every day with your babies. That's a challenge that I want to take up uh, every single day. We do it quite often in our house, but man, just I want to make it a, a point over the next 21 days. You know why it's 21 days, right? Because they say if you do something for 21 days, you form a habit. Wouldn't it be good if our kids formed a habit every day of prayer, right? And wouldn't it be good if we formed a habit every day of prayer? And so that's what it is, 21 days kicking off today. So that's in your seat. And I want to tell you, if you want it on your way out at the Connect Corner, there, I know you guys love the Don't Give Up journals that we had this summer, right? Uh, so we've gotten uh, 100 is all we've got. So y'all at the first service when we're offering them. So y'all might wipe them out. Second service may not even get them, okay? But if y'all want, there is a, a personal 21 days uh, of prayer guide that you can go out to the Connect Corner on your way out and grab one of those. That right there, you can write prayers down in it. Uh, you can bring it tomorrow morning. Uh, we have 21 days of prayer together where we start every day throughout the week. We're going to be praying at 6 a.m. at HQ and then at 9 a.m. at our new facility over, uh, which we used to be Save a Lot. Now I just call it church, okay? Uh, so so that's happening at 9 a.m. on Saturdays. But every single morning, you can bring this with you. You can write in it. Maybe you're not able to show up. Make sure you grab one of these on the way out. That would be awesome. And another thing that was in your seat, also we talked about it today of us kicking off uh, a, a series called Built to Last. Somebody shout Built to Last. I love that. And again, I, I always love to give you guys just a heads up where we are uh, with certain things throughout the year. And we usually do our year-end legacy offering in November. This year, we've moved it up a couple months because we have something tangible, really, that we're really trying to give towards and get in. Hopefully, by November, we'll be in the church. Come on, somebody. That'd be fun, won't it? Uh, so, so we're hoping that's going to be the case. Um, and, and so you know how construction is sometimes, though, but they're not going to be waiting on us. Come on, somebody, okay? So we want to make sure that we're ready. I want you to know we've cash flowed everything as far as all the renovations go on the inside of the facility. Come on, somebody. That was $400,000 of cash that we were able to give as a church to have a facility. Come on. I think y'all should give Jesus a bigger ovation than that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Two years old as a church, two and a half years. I like that. And, and let me just tell you, right now what we're looking at, and I, I told you this last week, but we have a, a, a at our Built to Last generosity initiative, at the end of this, again, I want you to be praying, hey, God, how would you have us be a part of that? How can we be a part of what you want us to give? And this is our, our above and beyond just our tie. This is kind of that thing that we just say, you know what, God, we're going to offer this. It may be a little stretch for us, maybe a little stretch for our family, but we're going to believe that we're investing, we're planting in some solid soil that you might get some glory, that you might, and we might build something to last. Yes, it's a facility, but it's more than just a facility to me. It's more than that. That's why we keep saying that we see a church, and we want Jesus to build his church, and it's going to be here far after the fact that a facility, whether we have it or not, but we get to use that as a place where we get to go out and serve other people and minister to people all the time, all the time. It's, it's ours. That's, I really like that. So there's some questions uh, on there that you're probably asking asking answers that we wanted to give you guys for sure to let you know. But then also on the other side, I'd just like to start out by saying again, um, we, we've had so far given towards the Generosity Initiative $27,036, which is awesome. And our total that we're looking at raising is $136,892.04. Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad that Kyle and our trustee team are so meticulous we put it down to the penny that we need, okay? I just think that's good stewardship. I think that's what that 
is. And so we want to just let you know that that's what we're looking at. And uh, I know that's daunting, but guess what? I believe that when we all come together, and we it's, it's about equal sacrifice, not equal giving. I want everybody to realize that. Like, like my sacrifice may be different than your sacrifice, but I, I just want to challenge all of us to step into that together. And, uh, man, on the other side of this generosity initiative, which is happening again August 29th, not going to be anything weird. We're going to pass the offering containers just like we normally do, but it's going to be a special day that we bring that back and say, hey, this is for you, Jesus. We're believing that you're going to build something that lasts for a long time, and we're going to invest in some really good soil. Everybody okay? Uh, Amen or on me? All right, so that's coming up. Again, I want to just tell you about that as we get kicked off today. And, and again, I know we've sat down, we've stood up, we've taken communion, you've been all over the place, but would you mind just for a second standing to your feet in honor of God's Word? We're going to read that together. It's going to be in Nehemiah uh, chapter 6, so we're going to start with the end in mind, all right? I, I, I like starting with a little bit of what is to come, a little bit of vision, and then we're going to work our way to that, all right? Everybody good? If you're ready for God's Word, sound ready. This is what the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. It says this. So on October 2nd, Pinnacle, y'all listening, October 2nd. That'd be real good at a place to get. Sorry, that was Dustin. That was not the Bible. Okay, on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Come on, somebody. That'd be nice, October 2nd, wouldn't it? Just 52 days after we had begun, and when our enemies and surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. I want this last thing, this last verse, to be said of what we build, to be said of our lives and everything that we do. And they realized this work had been done with the help of the Lord. Come on, somebody, right? I believe that with all my heart. I believe that God wants to speak to us through this series. And today, the title of today's message, Tap Your Neighbor and Tell Them Not not on my watch, not on my watch. Tap your neighbor, tap your neighbor, say, not on my watch. I love that, I love that. Well, let's pray one more time as we go and just ask the Lord just to speak to us today. Jesus, we thank you so much for today, God. Thank you for your word. Beginning kind of with the end in mind, God, I pray that you would just speak to us over the next few weeks of what your word wants to teach us and how you want to grow us and change us. In Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said a good amen, amen, amen. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. Thank you for standing in honor of God's word. And, and uh, hey, if you were watching online, I like it if you stood up too. I love that. Uh, if you're able to, or if you're you know, listening on, in the car or the podcast, don't do that. That would not be a good thing for sure. But hey, I want to ask a quick question really fast. How many of you love a good movie? Anybody out there, movie buffs? I think we all do. How many of y'all would rather um, go out and read a book than actually watch the movie? Okay, just a few of you, y'all are smarter than all of us that just raised our hands saying we want to watch the movie, right? I, I, I think about a good movie. I think about a movie um, or a story, and I, I'll just tell y'all one of my favorite stories of all time. It's based off of a true story. My favorite movies of all time is Remember the Titans. Come on, somebody, right? That never gets old. I could watch it over and over and over again and be like, yes, and amen, Gary Bertier. All right, like I'm, I'm there. I'm in it. I, I love Remember the Titans, but what I love about movies, and books, a lot of times, and what we need to realize is that the, the authors of those and the writers of those movies and directors are trying to captivate us, right? The movie is captivating us. The movie is motivating us. The movie is inspiring us. That's kind of the goal of the movie for the most part, unless you're going to see something scary, and ain't nobody like to be scared. Come on, somebody. I ain't paying nobody to scare me in a movie. That is silly. But still, that's another, that's another story. But I think about a good movie has a great story. It motivates you. It inspires 
inspires you. It makes you probably want to be a little different. It makes you want to approach things differently. And I got to thinking uh, as we were talking through Built to Last, what it was going to look like, that there's actually, I believe, the story that we're going to walk through over the next few weeks is the one of the most captivating, one of the most inspiring, one of the most motivating stories in all of the Bible, and even specifically the Older Testament. We're rocking Older Testament. Can y'all handle that? Everybody going to be good with that? This means yes in Kentucky, okay? Like, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be Older Testament. I can't wait to walk through it together, but I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. These 21 days don't just take 21 days off, but would you lean in? Would we be a church that would just lean into the voice of God? Would we lean into the things that God wants to speak to us? And I really believe that if you and I do that, that we are going to have, there, there, it is going to be a crazy couple weeks of what God is going to speak to us. And I want you to know something, wherever you're at or wherever you're watching from, I really do believe that God has a purpose for your life. I really do believe that. I believe with all of my heart, this church, we believe it with all of our heart that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I just believe that this series is going to speak to that. That you may not know what that is. You may know that you know, hey, I I really want to do something in my life. And everything I do that I kind of get the glory now or I, I get the accolades now, it just doesn't fulfill me. And I think for some of us, we need to understand that there is a purpose deep down on the inside that God wants to use you for something great. Great, something that lasts, something that goes on even into eternity. And so this story that we're going to walk through, I just believe the Holy Spirit is going to use it, translate it to what we need to hear specifically, and give it to you and I how only he can do. And I believe because of this, there's going to be some steps of faith on the other side of the series. I believe there's going to be some passion that comes out of this series from some of you that you never really thought that God would do that in you, but he's going to. And it's going to take some steps of faith. But i got to give you this warning i got to give you a warning that if you do this, if you say yes to saying, God, would you use me? God, would you speak to me? God, would you encourage me? God, would you motivate me? God, would you inspire me? God, would you challenge me? If you say yes to this, let me give you a quick warning if you say yes, is that it's going to come at a personal cost somewhere. It's going to come at a personal cost somewhere. Again, I think we got to understand that when we are required to take steps of faith, maybe it's giving up of something that we like to eat over the next few weeks or a few days or something that we we really like in our life. When we take steps of faith, I believe what happens is that we pay a price greater than, than what you and I sometimes even realize that we'll pay. So I want to give you that warning at the beginning, okay? I want to give you that warning. If you say yes to building something that lasts on the inside, of you, and you say yes to the things of God, that it's going to come at somewhat of a cost, right? you got to understand that if we are going to decide to do something great, on the other side of that decision, there may be some pain, there may be some trials, there may be some suffering, there may be some other things that you never, heartache, failure, doubt, discouragement, but this is what I know, anything worth doing ain't easy. Right? Anything worth doing ain't easy. And anything that was built to last isn't built easily. So I want us to challenge us with that. But I I wanted to give us that warning with this clause on the backside of it. That if you do say yes to Jesus, whatever you want to do with me, I'm putting my life into your hands. It's going to cost you something. Jesus said, hey, take up your cross, come follow me. He didn't say, hey, hang out on a lazy boy and just chill out for a little bit. He said, take up your cross, come follow me. But I promise you, if you 
you do, if you commit to that, if you commit to the things of God, I just want to challenge you and encourage you that you're going to see on the other side of you committing to it that another life is going to be impacted for eternity, that God is going to be glorified, and you will never, ever miss the time, talent, or treasure that you invested along the way. You know why? Because it's going to be worth it. Even if one person comes to Jesus because of your faithfulness to be obedient to the things of God. And I, I, you may be thinking, there's no way God could use me. No way. Like, like, I hear you saying that, Dustin, but like, no way God could use me. I'm just ordinary. I'm an everyday person. Like, I, there's nothing exceptional about me. I'm not talented. I'm not gifted. And this is what I want to encourage a lot of us with, is that God is not looking for the qualified. He's looking for the available. Right? God is not looking for the qualified. God is looking for the available. And what does the Bible tell us? That the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Right? There's a big harvest there. We're about to enter harvest season, uh, I believe, for the year, obviously in the natural, but even also in the supernatural. There's just something about the fall that happens to where people come to Jesus a whole lot. And I just believe that you got to understand that the harvest is plentiful. we got a worker problem. The, uh, like the thing is, is that God is not saying, Hey, you know, the harvest is plentiful, now the specialists are few, or the gifted are few. No, no, he says the workers are few, and I just believe that you and I are the exact type of people that our God loves to use, and that's where this story comes in, and we're going to walk through. I felt like I had to just start out by encouraging you with that from Nehemiah about Nehemiah, because that's this guy's name that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Somebody shout Nehemiah. Yeah, that's a fun name, right? Nehemiah, he's an, old, he's an Older Testament. What I want you to understand, there's an entire book that we're going to be walking through the first six chapters together over the course of about four weeks. But I want you to know, and what I love about this guy named Nehemiah is the fact that Nehemiah wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a big warrior. He wasn't like a top dog. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a prophet. He was an ordinary, everyday dude that decided that there was something, that there was a problem that he saw that broke his heart, and he says, somebody's got to do something about that. Somebody's got to make a difference. And again, he was compelled to go out and impact the world that was around him. You say, Dustin, what kind of, I mean, yeah, yeah, what do you mean he was? What did he do for a living? Well, let me encourage you. He had a pretty ordinary job. You want to know what his ordinary job was? He was a cup bearer. Okay, so how many of y'all know what a cupbearer is? Okay, if you don't, it's okay. We're going to find it out together, all right? So a cupbearer, two things you need to know about a cupbearer and what they did uh, during this time was, number one, was a cupbearer was extremely trustworthy. You need to understand that a cupbearer was in the room with the king whenever the king was coming up with things to do of how they were going to attack that city. He was in the room whenever things were happening, uh, that secrets behind closed doors, the cupbearer would be there because he was the king's kind of right-hand man. And the main job of a cupbearer, which is not a really, really good job, let's just be honest, was the fact that you, uh, if, if the king was brought any wine or any sort of food, guess what you had to do first? You had to eat it first. You know why? To see if it was poisoned. That's a bad job, okay? Like, ain't nobody going to the, ain't nobody going to college to be a cupbearer, all right? So, like, let's just be real. Somebody brings, they have a plot against the king. They want to do something where they take the king out. Well, they're going to try and poison his food, but the cupbearer was there to drink the wine first, and if it was poisoned, 
new cupbearer. You know what I'm saying? The king didn't die, just the cupbearer's dead, okay? We'll get a new guy in here, and we'll do it that way. Or if something was poisoned, like it would, it, it would kill the cupbearer first and not the king. How many of y'all are thinking, you know what, I need a good life insurance policy if I was a cupbearer? Come on, somebody. I think we all would, right? So we got to understand that the guy that we're talking about, that we're still talking about thousands of years later, is not in a role of status. He's in a role of a servant. He's in the role of a worker tending to the needs of a king. So I wanted you to get context of who this guy was that we're talking about and what he did. And then that's where we pick up a conversation that's happening at the very beginning of Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2. This is what the Bible tells us. There's a conversation going on, and it's between Nehemiah and this guy named Hananiah, right? Let's watch it. Verse 2, it says this, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. So really quick, let me give you a little bit more context of why is Nehemiah asking about how things are going back home in in Jerusalem. So what you need to know is that Nehemiah, about 140 years before this conversation has taken place, there is a a guy by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar. Come on, somebody. I don't know if y'all watch Veggie Tales. That's how I know about King Nebuchadnezzar, all right? Uh, like back in the day, they had like this big chocolate bunny statue was in Veggie Tales. But, but King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, maybe y'all have heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all know them? Radshach and Benny, okay? Like they, they, they were uh, underneath the rule of this guy named King Nebuchadnezzar because what happened was the Babylonians had come in and overtaken all of Jerusalem. They came in and they ransacked everything. They destroyed everything. They, they, they burned even... Uh, the temple of Solomon that Solomon built, right? I, I was just reading about it kind of in First Chronicles 22 the other day, how David was preparing Solomon for that. But Solomon built the temple. They destroyed the temple. They got rid of it. They burned everything. They destroyed everything within the city. And then the Babylonians said, you know what? We're going to take y'all with us, and you're going to be our captives. You're going to be our slaves, and you're going to do what we do. You're not going to have your own city. You're not going to have your own religion. You're going you're gonna to be in bondage to us. That's what you're going to do. And so I want you to understand that that takes place and the Jewish people are in bondage. The Jewish people are demoralized and they're hopeless. But decades later, about 50,000 of them somehow get out of, of the Babylonian rule and they start to make their way back to Jerusalem in hopes to rebuild it, to restore it, to rejuvenate it, and, and the, to rejuvenate their city, the homeland, the place that God had promised them and the future that they had in front of them. So people move back, and then this conversation begins to take place. That's why, I, that's why Nehemiah is asking, hey, how's your mom and them, right? That's how we say it in the, in the South, right? How's your mom and them? He's asking how everybody is. He's asking how it's going back home. Then watch what happens. Verse 3, it says, they said to me, things are not going well. Somebody say, oh, no. All right, for those who return to the province of Judah, right? That's the people that came back. He said, they are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. For us, that doesn't mean a lot. But to them at this time, you've got to understand no walls and no gates equals no protection. They had no protection from people coming in and invading them or overtaking them. And if they had no protection from invasion, guess what? They couldn't build any structure. They couldn't build any leadership structure. They had no financial stability. Ability. And so what we got to realize is that no walls plus no gates 
plus no protection, guess what that equals? No hope. Right? These people are hopeless. They get back home and their life is just a wreck. And Nehemiah hears this and watch what happens in verse 4. This is what it says, verse 4. When I heard this, this is Nehemiah writing, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. I sat down and I wept. You know what that got me thinking? Got me thinking as we walk through this story, we know the end in sight because we know what we just read in Nehemiah chapter 6. But there's a few questions today that I think we have to start with of what we have. We believe what the end goal is going to be at Purpose Church is to continue to reach people for the gospel and connect them to Jesus and help them live on purpose. But in the meantime, there's a few things that we have to ask ourselves that I believe Nehemiah was asking himself as well in this time. And the first thing, when we see it right there from verse 4, the very first thing that we see that he's asking is what am I passionate about and I want to ask you the very same thing is what am I passionate about what am I passionate about see when Nehemiah said hey I heard about the desolation I heard about the hopelessness I sat down and I wept I became passionate about it it crushed me it burdened my soul it was hard for me to hear that my people back home that God's people were under so much oppression and not only just that but that they were hopeless and had nothing left in the future see Nehemiah could have said he had two responses that he could have had in in this moment. He had a choice to make. And the first response would have been like this. You know what? A lot of us do this a lot of times, including myself. We could have responded uh, in this way, and he could have as well. Oh, you know what? That's, that's too bad. Man, I hate that for them. I'm so sorry. I feel really bad for them. Man I'm, I, man, I'm just glad my life's all good. I'm glad I'm okay. I'm glad I'm kind of taken care of. But I really do. I hate to hear that. I'm so sorry. That could have been how Nehemiah responded. Or he could have let that brokenness, that hopelessness, ignite some passion on the inside of him and say, you know what? I hear that, and something needs to be done about that, right? And so I, I would just begin to question in my life and your life, do the things that break God's heart break my heart? Right? Do the things that break God's heart break my heart? I think we have to understand, we have to begin to question, what is it that burdens me? What, what is it that, that like some righteous anger wells up on the inside of me on behalf of God? What do I look at and say, you know what, that's not right. Somebody needs to fix that, and that somebody needs to do something about that. Like, what is that for you and I? Like, is it the things that breaks God's heart, or is it just things that we want to be about ourselves? See, I think about this, and I think, again, I go back to the whole idea of why in the world did we even plant Purpose Church it was because we were heartbroken for this city. We would look around and, and, and look around. And again, we do not have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit by any means. There are incredible churches all here in Murray and Callaway County. And we honor you if you're watching today. Man, we love you. We're, we're on the same team. We're doing this together. And so for me, we would just look around and saw the numbers and the brokenness that was in Murray even and in the opportunity that college even presents and, and all of these things. And guess what? We were passionate about it. We were fired up about it. And we said, you know what, we want to create a church where it's okay to not be okay. We want to create a church, we want to be a part of the solution and not just another problem in the community. And I think about that, and I think about a story that Pastor Craig Rochelle shared one time. And I think for so many of us, we can ring true with this idea because so many of us have grown up in this atmosphere or environment before. And Pastor Craig uh, Rochelle says it like this, that, that one day he was preaching, and he was uh, at a Methodist church where he was preaching at, and uh, it was kind 
kind of before he started Life Church, and they were out there doing all kinds of stuff, and they found out that there was going to be a visitor that showed up that day, right? So it's a little bitty country church, no problem with great people, love it. This visitor was showing up one day, and so they were getting all excited. They had two services. They had one in a, a first service, and then in between services, Pastor Craig said he went out into the lobby area, and what he began to do uh, is look around, and, and, and he saw this beat-up car pull in the parking lot. And it was a car that didn't look like the rest of the cars that were in the parking lot. And everybody's all excited about a visitor. And this lady steps out of the car uh, whose clothes looked like she probably had slept in them the night before. Didn't look like everybody else was dressed. And, And he says that he remembers one of the older guys of the church standing at the front door and approached that young lady who looked like she was hopeless, looked like she didn't have a whole lot walk up to her and say, young lady, is that the best outfit that you've got? Because in our church, we wear our best for God. And I heard that, and let me just share something with you. It broke my heart when he shared that, because what he shared was that she got back in her car and she drove away from the church. And what kind of opportunity was missed from that young lady driving up to church and getting that response? And as Pastor Craig says, and I'll say it here, we got a dress code at Purpose Church. You know what it is? Just wear something. Come on, somebody, okay? Wear something. Wear something. But I want you to know something. That breaks my heart, and I think that breaks the heart of God. That that sometimes is the stigma and the attitude and the posture of people in church. And what I want us to be passionate about at Purpose Church. Hey, listen, are we passionate? Yes, we are. We're passionate about Jesus uh, is our point. People are our heart. Generosity is our privilege. Honor is our posture. Celebration is our response. Like, those are the things that we want to get passionate about. And we saw a Murray, Kentucky, we saw, guess what? We are passionate about you, that we know the numbers, we know how many people are lost and unchurched, living with no hope, and believe, though, that we have been positioned and called by God to build something that lasts and that makes a dent in the darkness and populates heaven. Come on. Is there anybody that's passionate about that? Let's give God a shout of praise all over this place. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? I think Nehemiah was passionate about it. He said he sat down and he wept. And then watch what the next question I think we got to run through our filter of are we making a difference? Are we making an eternal difference? Is have I prayed about it? Have I prayed about it? Have I prayed? Like, like, like God, okay, I see the need. Have I prayed how I need to be a part of the solution? Have I prayed about it? Look what Nehemiah did in verse number four. It says, in fact, four days, for days. Somebody shout for days. For days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. I want you to understand that that when I read that, I think it's so incredible that we're walking through a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're starting that. I see it break his heart, and I see him go to the Lord in prayer. And it says, for days he mourned, fasted, and prayed. I think about that. I think about what am I passionate about? What are we passionate about? I see that Nehemiah was passionate about it, and then he took that passion to the Lord and said, hey, I want you to share with me how I can make a difference. I want you to show me what's different and how I can do something about it. And I think about it, it wasn't just a commercial on TV that was 30 seconds long and it kind of got in our feelings really quick. No, no, for days he mourned and fasted and prayed. He saw it, and it broke his heart. And I I believe the very first response that he went to was this avenue of prayer. And we believe as a church that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. 
Right? I think it should be our first response, not our last resort. We believe that faith is our reaction, and faith tends to lead us to pray first and not last. I think so many times we get in situations all over the place, and we say, you know what? I, I just, I, I really, I guess we've tried everything else. I guess all we can do is pray now. How many of us have been guilty of saying that? Come on, we all have. And I wonder how insulting that is to God. Right, That all we can do now is call on the name that's above every other name. And all we can do now is just go to the omniscient, omnipresent, uh, all-knowing God. Like, And I think God, that can insult him because, again, he is all of those things. He's greater. He's more magnificent. He's more incredible than just, hey, I guess all we can do is go now in prayer. So I want to challenge us. Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Look at Nehemiah. He said, then I said, oh. Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. And he jump over to verse 11. He ends up to quote, he ends up praying again. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. And what I love about Nehemiah that we can learn from is we have to ask ourselves the question, have I prayed? And Nehemiah would start with that question, have I prayed about it? And we see in the book that we're going to read over the next couple weeks, if you read all 13 chapters, Nehemiah prays 12 times in those 13 chapters. So just about every single chapter, Nehemiah is taking what he has in front of him, the passion that he's been burdened with, and he's taking it and presenting it to the Lord. And he's letting prayer be his first response, not the last thing that we go to, like so many of us, including myself, do. And again, I I think what we pray for and how we pray often reveals what we truly believe about the God that we serve. What we pray for and how we pray, if all we pray is, Lord, would you bless this food, keep me safe, help me have a good day today, right? That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But do we really believe the real power of our God? Do we really believe that? Or or, or would we be more apt if we believed in the power of our God? Would we be more apt to say, God, would you stretch me? God, would you use me? God, I'm praying for the impossible, the immovable to happen. Would you move? Would you do miracles? Would you, God, bring healing? Would you speak revival? God, would you use me to meet somebody else's needs? God, would you use me to make an eternal difference? And that right there, if that's how we pray, we're really showing that we believe in the power and the glory of an incredible God. Yeah, come on, let's give Jesus a shout if we're going to give it. Let's go. And you may be thinking, I don't know how to pray like that. All I know is come to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Show up tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. at HQ. We'll walk through how that looks. We'll watch, walk through how to pray. We'll give you some time to pray. It's not going to be awkward. The music's going to be up. We're following along with what Church of the Highlands is doing. It's going to be a great time for you just to learn how we can make prayer our first response, not our last resort. And Nehemiah, I love that he was praying. I love that he said, hey, have a prayed about it, and he began to pray about it. And the last thing I think is so important that we have to understand is that Nehemiah could have said, you know what? I prayed. Now, God, you handle it. Now, now God, you go ahead 
and do it. I'll just sit over here. I'll just sit in my, my easy boy, my lazy boy. And while God could handle his work, guess what? God loves to use people to do the work. He loves to use you and I, people who are obedient. And, and I think about it that God establishes the plans of the doers. Right, I think it's so important that we have to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on us. Come on, somebody, right? We're going to pray. We're going to be a people of prayer. We're going to be like Nehemiah. Everything, every decision we have to make, everything that's going on, we're going to say, Lord, we're going to bring this before you today, and then we're going to work like it all depends on us. But we're going to depend on the favor and the blessing of what we're building on, that being Jesus Christ. So the last thing I think we got to ask ourselves, what am I passionate about? Have I prayed about it? Have I prayed, God, how can I do something about it? And the last question is, what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? Nehemiah, what is he going to do about it, he says? Well, he says, I'm going to take the cup to the king. I'm going to do my daily duties. I'm going to work. I'm going to do the things that I know I'm called to do. And so what Nehemiah does, he's in his ordinary, everyday job, and he goes, he takes the cup to the king, and King Artaxerxes is his name, and he takes it to, I like to say King X, because there's a lot of X's in his name. Uh, he takes it to him. And again, the king can recognize that there's something going on, Nehemiah. Why are you not yourself? Why are you not acting like you? What, like, what's going on? And watch what Nehemiah does. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4, the king asked, well, hey, how can I help? How can I help? And watch this. It's a little shotgun prayer right here from Nehemiah. With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, right? Yeah, he was continuing to pray was continuing to pray. He says, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me. Somebody shout, send me. Somebody shout it like you mean it. Say, send me. To rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Listen, y'all, Nehemiah did more than just get passionate about something. He prayed about it and said, God, how do you want me to handle this? I see the need. I see the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. And he did more than just pray. He said, God, I want your will to be done. I want you to do what you do. And then with courage, Nehemiah spoke to the king. See, Nehemiah was not satisfied with just sitting back saying somebody else will handle it. No, no, no. Nehemiah boldly made his request to the king. And you know what he said? Not on my watch. Not on my watch. I'm going to do something about it. Not on my watch. My people are hurting. No, not on my watch. The walls are down. Not on my watch. The city is exposed. Not on my watch. I can't sit around and do nothing. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. Somebody's got to do something about it. And it might as well be me. And this is the last thing I want you to write down is that when God gives us the idea to change something, it's because he wants us to do something about it. It's because he wants to use us to do something about it. And if we want to see Murray and Callaway County change, let me share with you. We are part of the solution. Jesus is the only solution, but he wants to use us to make his name famous wherever we might go. And we thought when we were planting Purpose Church a little over two and a half years ago, not even two and a half years ago, you know what we looked at? We looked at Murray and we said, not on our watch. We see a city that's a great city, a community that's a great community. Allie grew up here running around in these 
preschool halls right here in middle school. But we said, you know what? There are so many people who don't know about Jesus. And guess what? That's not going to be said on our watch. The people don't know Jesus. People don't have a relationship with Jesus. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure that we're lifting up the name of Jesus. And we began to craft this statement that came from Church of the Highlands that he borrowed from uh, Pastor uh, Houston out at Hillsong. And it was a thing called I See a Church. And we broke this to you last week. We do it every single year on Vision Sunday. But I just want to read this. I wrote it down in my ARC journal before we ever launched this church. It's the only thing in this journal I wrote down. And it says this, I see a church where Jesus is our point, and everything is built on Jesus, by Jesus, and for Jesus. I see a church that's big enough to impact the world, but small enough to feel like home. I see a church so attractive, so refreshing, so life-giving that people plan their vacations around getting back for church. Come on, how many have done that so far? You've done that. A lot of you have. I love that. I see a church so encouraging that people leave every single week built up, not beat down. I see a church where the presence of God is experienced through passionate worship, where God's word is preached practically and clearly, where the gospel is proclaimed unapologetically, and where the Holy Spirit is well. I see a church that embraces all people at all times with compassion and open arms. Nobody's going to drive up in our parking lot and say, hey, why you got those clothes on? No, no, no. You come on in because Jesus wants to meet you. He's worried more about the inside of you than he is the outside of you. A compassion and open arms and won't stop until every person in Murray, Kentucky knows their God-given purpose because people are our heart. I see a church full of people who have found a relationship with God and are living the full abundant life that only gets better and better in Jesus. I see a church where people are continually taking their next step in their spiritual walk, constantly moving forward and never turning back. I see a church that's willing to bet the farm, take risks, dream big, and trust God because faith is our reaction. I see a church that refuses to play it safe when it comes to reaching people for the gospel. I see a church that pays attention to the details and believes that excellence honors God because excellence is our ordinary. I see a church where people can discover their God-given purpose and use their unique talents, personalities, and spiritual gifts to make a difference. I see a church, does anybody see a church that we've been able to just, not just we, but all of us have been able to create built to last. I see a church. Why don't you jump up on your feet right now if you believe that we're going to be this church. I believe a church. I see a church that goes beyond its four walls by loving and serving our city with no strings attached. I see a church that's categorized by its outrageous generosity and gives resources sacrificially and generously because generosity is our privilege. I see a church where God uses ordinary people on an extraordinary team to accomplish so much more together than we ever could individually. I see a church with a world-class, clean, safe, and fun kids ministry. Come on, somebody, where kids experience Jesus on their level. I see a church that parties with a purpose. You know why? Because celebration is our response. I see a church that celebrates every person and every story because they are worth it to God. I see a church intentionally committed to raising, training, and empowering the next generation of leaders that we 
will change the world. I see a church that's vocal with our honor and who is not stingy with its words of affirmation because honor is our posture. And I see a church that's looking for opportunities to add value to the Big C Church and to other people. I see a church that sends future church planners where pastors with a dream in their heart to plan a life-giving church can find training, resources, and covering. And I see a church that's full of people living on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. Come on. If you see that, if you believe we're a part of building something at last, come on, give God a shout of praise all over this place. God is going to build His church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. We just got to do a good job of building on that cornerstone, Jesus. If we want to last, if we want to see that take place, let's build everything on Jesus. Let's put it all on Jesus. It's not on us. We're building it on Jesus in his name. And that's the name that's above every name. And that's the name that salvation comes and is in. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you're in this room, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're watching online, would you bow your heads and close your eyes if it's safe for you? I know you're in this room and we just get fired up about it. But man, I think there's some people in here that make a decision, need to make a decision to say yes to a relationship with Jesus today. And if that's you, I want you to know that Jesus gave his life for you, that he died for you and me, and that you and I were sinners far from God, but Jesus came and gave his life for us. So if you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible's real simple, it's real clear. It just says, hey, would you just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? And would you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? And the Bible says that you will be saved. So maybe you're in here. Maybe you're watching online. And you need to say yes to a relationship with Jesus today. Would you just pray something like this? Would you pray, dear Jesus, would you come into my life? I I realize I'm a sinner. I realize that I'm far from you. But thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for salvation. Help me live every single day from this day forward. My life is yours. My life here on earth is yours. My heart is yours. Now let everything else that I do be of you, Jesus. Maybe you're in here. Maybe you're watching online and you just prayed to receive Jesus. You you said that or you said something like it. And you just said yes to a relationship with Jesus. I would just love it if you, first of all, you need to know you made the best decision you've ever made in your life. And we're so excited for you. In just a second, it's going to be a party in this room because we are so excited that you made that decision. And maybe you're in this room and uh, you just said yes to Jesus. What we want to do is we want to connect you with somebody. Uh, We don't necessarily want you to come down here to the front. We want you to make your way to the side walls to be able to just see somebody that's on either side of the walls uh, that would love to just walk through that decision that you just made to say yes to Jesus. So our team is going to be moving. You're not even going to be the only one moving. So our team's going to be moving. So as our team moves, if you just said yes to Jesus, would you make your way to one of my friends along either wall in here? And if you're watching online, would you just text the word PURPOSE to 270-229-6488. That lets us know that you just made that decision to follow Jesus. Well, I love that. I love that. Well, Purpose Church, can we lift our heads up? Can we put our hands together and give it up for King Jesus in this place? Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on Purpose.